0: Thank you for coming to the podcast. This is Top Turtle MMA Podcast on kh.press.com. I'm Danny Gubby Freeland, joined as always by my co-host Shockwave Dave Tremonte. The UFC heads to Vegas this weekend for Noche UFC, headlined by the rematch between Alexa Grasso and Valentina Shevchenko. We'll be breaking down that fight as well as two other of our favorite fights on this main card. as part of Farts Dogs and Parlays, where we'll also give you an underdog and a parlay to make your wallet fat this weekend. And then, as always, we're bringing you the interviews you know and love. Kicking off the show this week is our interview with Factory X's Josh Fremd, who's talking all about working at the gym and his upcoming fight at Noche UFC. And a little bit later on, we'll be talking to, get this, Factory X middleweight Cody Brundage, who's going to be fighting next weekend. But before we get to any of that great content, I do have to let you know that this episode is brought to you by Game Up Heart Hydration. Welcome to the game, welcome to Game of Heart Hydration, the new ready-to-drink beverage with sports drink flavor for adult drink fun. But make no mistake, this is no sports drink, this is a refreshing adult beverage with 4.9% alcohol by volume, a special blend of electrolytes, and way more than a hint of flavor. It's a drink that's well, hey, it's really drinkable. Should you stretch before you drink it? Well, c- certainly couldn't hurt. Game Up is not a hard seltzer, because hard seltzers just didn't work out. Game Up plays entirely in a league of its own, and it comes in all your favorite sports drink flavors, orange, lemon, lime, fruit, punch, and grape, and it hits all the right numbers at 110 calories, one gram of carbs, it's gluten-free, and it's got no added sugar. Game Up is for MMA maulers, urban fitness freaks, peak-bagging badasses, tough mutter mothers, beer league brawlers, hot yoga hotties, high-handicap hackers, committed cornhole huckers, or even just professional poolside posers who game up and get after it. Ask for Game Up wherever it is you buy beer or hard seltzer, and bring it on home for the team. Game Up Heart Hydration brings you this episode of the Top Turtle MMA podcast, and it starts right now. The hosts are ready, the fighters are ready, listeners, make some noise if you are ready for Top Turtle MMA with Shockwave and Gumby! All right, and me today is Josh Fremd, who fights Roman loss at Noche UFC. That fight card is on September 16th. So, Josh, I wanted to start here. You know, we're only a month removed from your last fight, which was a 15-minute fight, I, I have to add. Was it the plan to have such a quick turnaround here?
1: The plan was to have three fights in the year. Uh, I didn't really care if it was quick. I preferred it quick, you know, so I can get my three fights and then, you know, enjoy some time with the family on the holidays because I haven't really spent time at home on the holidays in the past four years. So the fact that this opportunity came up and I got a new contract, I I was healthy. I, I came out of a fight with no no injuries, no nagging anything, and I was able to, so I hopped on it.
0: Well, that's awesome to hear. So uh, just so I, I catch this straight, you know, 15 minutes in the cage, and granted, you were dominating the vast majority of that time, but 15 minutes in the cage, like, no cuts, no bruises, nothing. You just walked out of that fight completely unscathed?
1: Yeah, I mean, I had a, a little a scrape on the top of my forehead that I got a little bit sloppy, and he caught me with something, but nothing nothing that kept me away from the gym longer than I think I was out of the gym for four maybe four or five days just you know because i just wanted to take some time and hang out but i was right back in the gym just waiting hoping that something would come up because that like i said that was my last fight on my contract so i'm waiting to hear negotiations like if opportunity comes up and it did and i jumped on it and i feel great about it
0: well that's great to hear now i'm curious too you take those four days off you you wind up you know uh resting a little bit then you get back in the gym Is it fight camp mode right away? Like, did you ease back into it, or was it right back to, you know, pretty much right
1: where you left off? Yeah, pretty much uh, right back to where I left off.
2: There isn't really
1: such thing as a fight camp when you're out here at Factory It's This is a lifestyle that we live, and whether I won or lost, I was going to be back in the gym within the week. Uh, I didn't have anything planned afterwards, no vacations, nothing like that. I mean, this is, this is my opportunity in life, my window in the professional career to make as much money as I can and fight the best people I can and chase after goals. So I'm not looking to take too much time off.
0: Well, that's, that's great to hear now. So, you know, you, you've mentioned the new contract a couple of times. First of all, congratulations, obviously, is, is in order. And then secondly, you know, you, you lost your first two fights in the UFC and now you've rebounded in the biggest way possible two straight wins a quick turnaround a brand new contract like what you know like only two fights ago you were you're pretty much fighting for your UFC career what does it feel like now looking back at you know sort of where you were standing after that fight
2: uh, you know
1: I haven't really taken a ton of time to think about that because I want three wins this year uh, just the number three is ringing in my head with you know i'm turning 30 2023 i want 3 wins uh but like yeah i mean it it sucked there were some low times uh after those first two fights uh you know cuz i felt like i could have shown better in different things but it is it's kind of rejuvenating honestly i fell back in love with mma training the grind everything cuz yeah when you're winning everything is easier to want to do but uh it's those low times when you know it didn't go my way how I wanted it to the first two fights. So had to get back on the horse and get after it.
0: So you mentioned like falling back in love with, with some of the aspects of MMA that maybe, you know, maybe you hadn't fallen out of, but maybe you had forgotten how much you loved in all of this. C- could you share with us a little bit more about what sort of you mean by that? What What is the thing that like you learned to love more through all of these uh, or for both of these losses rather?
1: Uh, not necessarily, I guess, love more, but just remind myself and be cognizant of, you know, just the fun aspect of training, the camaraderie. Like, I grew up playing football and baseball, so like I was always around team sports, and we have such a great team out here at Factory X. Like, just falling back in love with the brotherhood, the, the fun times that you have in the gym, because if you're not going to have fun in the gym, if you're not going to have fun with this, why do it, you know? And it gets a little stressful with all of the behind the scenes stuff with MMA and, you know, trying to get sponsorships, just everything combined about MMA, it gets a little rough sometimes. So you got to remind yourself why you got into it, the love for it, the passion for it, because I could go out, make an easy living, doing something way easier.
0: Absolutely. And, and so I I wanted you to sort of, it's the second or third time you brought up Factory X. So, Could you expand a little bit upon, you know, like, what makes it so fun for you in the gym all the time? Because, you know, obviously we know some of the cast of characters who exist at Factory X, but, you know, like, what what is specifically to you makes Factory X such a special place?
1: It's special because I think a lot of us have that just competitive edge and we're always like, playfully talking shit to one another, trying to push each other, like, oh, I'm going to do this today, I'm going to do that today, you better not, you know, I hope you've got a good night's rest because I'm coming after you today. Like, it's, it's, a, it's a lifestyle that we've cultivated out here. Uh, there are people who obviously, and I, I still am one of them, who have, like, little side jobs just to get by sometimes, but for the most part, it's a this is our job. We show up every single day, Monday through Saturday, like, to get after it and get better, and I love that.
0: And now I was wondering if you could share with me, you know, I've seen it on the Factory X Muay Thai uh, Instagram page, which by the way, if you're not following it, Factory X Muay Thai MMA, like I've seen a couple of times them post the Factory X Sparring Champion of the Week. Could you explain to us, explain to us the origin of that and, and how you go about winning Sparring Champion of the Week?
1: <laughs> so... I have never won it yet. I thought last week I definitely was going to win it, but (laughs) it's been, it's been in the stable of the 55ers. So the little guys are keeping it, keeping it uh, hoarded. But uh, yeah, it's something that just came across randomly. Someone uh, ordered a belt and they brought it in and it was a funny joke at first, but it kind of caught on. And it's not necessarily who, you know, dominates the rounds that day. It's, you know we're a team. We're, we're 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 here every single day, so we know what each teammate's going through and what we're working on. Each teammate's working on for certain goals. So it's it's more or less if you overcome certain obstacles in the sparring round, if you overcome the thing that we're working on, and it's been really fun.
0: I love that. I love that a lot. So let's get to talking about your fight with Roman Kopylov at Noche UFC he's coming off of three big finishes in a row all via his striking. What are sort of your thoughts on, you know, not just jumping into this fight on short notice, but jumping into this fight on short notice with a guy, you know, who's looked pretty good as of late.
1: So, yeah, I mean, I was uh, scheduled to uh, fight Roman uh, not too long ago, and I got injured and I wasn't able to compete that day, but I watched him his entire career. And, yeah, he's a scary striker, but he has big power, but there's really nothing else that he presents that could – I'm only worried about his striking. Uh, he, he has no wrestling, no clinch, no jiu I feel. So I, I'm excited to go in here and compete against this guy.
0: Well, we're absolutely excited for it as well. Now, before I let you go, before I let any fighter go, I always like to end on the same exact question. So you got it done a month ago – how do you get it done come September 16th? What's your prediction?
1: I honestly feel like I'm gonna finish this guy on the feet. A lot of people aren't giving me, you know, a lot of credit for my striking, and my striking is what got me to the UFC. So I'm excited to go out here and shock some people.
0: All right, well you're here to hear first, folks. This has been Josh Fremd, who fights Roman Kopylov at Noche UFC. That fight once again September 16th. Josh, thank you so much for the time. I really appreciate it.
1: Hey, right, thank you, my man. Hope you have a great rest of your day. Well,
0: we have enjoyed that interview with Josh Friend. I, once again, am Daniel Gubby-Freeland. Join now by my co-host, Shockwave Dave Tremonte. Dave, we, of course, got to start here. Sean Strickland is the freaking middleweight champion of the world. I'm perplexed. I mean, you called it last week. You said the odds were, you know, skewed way too far to the side, and anybody who took your advice wound up uh, lucrative for it. So, I guess I just got to ask now, like, what do we do with the middleweight title? What does this mean? Would you favor Izzy in a rematch? What's next here, I guess?
3: Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, Izzy now, you know, one and two in his last three. I, at this point, don't think, like, a immediate rematch is warranted. If that's the way they go, I get it, but it's not like, you know, the absolute need to be outcome here. Um, Pereira holds a win over him, also a former champion. So that very much intrigues me as well. But uh, you know, to me, my big takeaway from all of this is just how infallible all modern champions are. Uh, You know, especially I look at the way Izzy has basically competed in the UFC now for six years. He's averaged three fights a year, if I'm not mistaken. Um, Or maybe just a shade under that because he's had 16 total fights. But you just can't be that active and then not run into a loss here or there in the UFC. The only person I can point to who has been that active and no one can defeat is his, you know, fellow countrymen in a way. Uh, Volkanovski and it makes Volkanovski look all that much more dominant in this new era of the UFC where I think you know we're going to see less and less dominant runs and uh, Izzy I think if he fought once or twice a year would still be undefeated Uh, but people have started to figure out the puzzle and I think he's worn down so that's a side route to what you asked the answer is they're going to do an Izzy rematch um, but you know I don't think that's necessary what about you?
0: Yeah. So first of all, I would agree with you in saying that Volkanovsky is kind of a a outlier here. Uh, It it is worth noting he did lose at 55. So even he is beatable, I guess. Although I thought he won that fight. Um, But like, you're right. Yeah. Like since 2021, he's the only champion left standing. He's the only guy who's left with the belt from the 2021 stable of champions. So yeah, like uh, I I think we're going to see less and less people like that. And To the matchmaking standpoint, I I sort of agree with you. I think the answer that's going to happen is Izzy's going to get that rematch because he sort of built himself up as that guy who gets rematches no matter what because he's, you know, marketable. There's going to be an angle here. Um, Eugene Behrman's clearly in the matchmaker's ears. He was trying to get the rematch made right away. He thinks it's just an adjustment away. But I think the best thing for Izzy would be to take a break. Like, I, I think time away from the sport would be good for him. You know, give me seven months of no Israelite Desanya fights and then book them with a rematch. I think you'd see a different outcome. I'd still pick Izzy. So, uh, yeah, that's that's my personal thought. But, yeah, I, I think the rematch is coming sooner rather than later. I wouldn't be surprised to see it in January.
3: The UFC loves them some rematches, and we love uh, ourselves uh, Fights, Dogs, and Parlays. It's our favorite segment on the show. We're going to break down a couple of fights, give you a dog to play, give you a parlay to play, but before we get into it for this weekend's Fights, Gumby, I'm wondering, does anyone sponsor this edition of Fights, Dogs, and Parlays?
0: Absolutely. Fights, Dogs, and Parlays is brought to you by a brand new sponsor of ours, X Martial. If you want to pick up some of the best gear in martial arts, you have to check out X Marshall, from rash guards to shorts, street wear to training equipment, they have you covered. X Marshall is one of the fastest growing brands out there, and for a reason, the quality of their products is second to none. They are taking style to the next level, and they really do have a design for every taste and personality. So go check them out at xmarshall.com, and be sure to use discount code TURTLE, T-U-R-T-L-E, for 10% off everything in the entire store.
3: All right, let's start with the main event as we're known to do. And Valentina Shevchenko, the former champion, is a minus 165 favorite, and Alexa Grasso, a plus 140 dog. Um, Valentina Shevchenko is coming off a loss to the aforementioned Alexa Grasso. Uh, before that, she had reeled off uh, her crazy win streak of nine in a row, so she's nine and one. In her last 10 uh, and finds herself a slight favorite here in the rematch to Valentina, uh, to Alexa Grasso, who has never, uh, excuse me, has gone on a five fight win streak since losing to Carla Esparza. Uh, So coming off the win over Valentina Shevchenko, here's the rematch. Who you got?
0: I'm actually going to go dog money here at Alexa Grasso. Both for, uh, I mean, for two reasons, really. Number one, I usually go in rematches with the person who won the first one. Not, You know, eight times out of 10, it's probably the right play. Unless you have a reason, like a real reason to suspect that the person who won the first time won on kind of a fluke, the Juliana Peñas of the world. But nothing about that performance from Alexa Grasso the first time around seemed fluky. She put a pace on Valentino Shevchenko. She, you know, clearly has worked on her grappling in a way that it makes her very dangerous on the mat. I, I think... Everything about Alexa Grasso makes sense to beat somebody like Valentina Shevchenko because she is such a crisp striker. She does have that grappling edge to her now uh, that could nullify the, you know, not that the Valentina's a good enough grappler. It's not her favorite way to go, but she's a good enough grappler. She's got enough grappling defense to defend that, and she could sting you on the feet. So, yeah, I think I'm just going to go with Grasso here. I think she maybe doesn't necessarily get her out of there, but I think the pace is going to be too much for her again.
3: All right. I uh, I feel the same way, actually, and I'm a little bit surprised, even coming off the the last fight's outcome, um, that she would be the dog. So I like the dog money on her right here. Uh, close fight, but I'll take the dog money in a cl- close fight. You know what I'm saying? All right. Let's get to Jack uh, Della Maddalena, a minus 155, to Kevin Holland, a plus 125. Uh, Madalena is on a – Six-fight win streak in the UFC, never lost in the UFC, and that's including his Dana White Contender Series debut. He's coming off a split decision win over Basil Hafez. Kevin Holland is on a two-fight win streak, submission win over Michael Chiesa via Dar's choke, which was very surprising to me, earned him a performance of the night bonus, and a KO over Santiago Ponzinibbio. That was after taking back-to-back losses to Kamzat Chimiev and Stephen Thompson, both by finish, Comzat just beat the brakes off him and dars choked him. Funny that he came back and got a darce choke win over Michael Chiesa. And then that other back-to-back loss was to Steven Thompson via TKO corner stoppage. It was a fight of the night, though, but nice rebound here for Holland. Two and two in his last four on the two-fight win streak. He's just a plus one twenty-five dog. Who you got?
0: Yeah, and these lines were actually a lot closer just two days ago when I first uh, was was setting aside the odds. This was a pick This was negative 110 apiece, so that money is flocking in on Jack della Medalena. and I know why. I get it. He is, I think, a better striker than uh, Kevin Holland, and I know Kevin Holland's coming off that submission win, but let's face it. It was against a Michael Chiesa who looked like he just didn't want to be in there. I think Jack della medalena has got a lot of the same tools that we're going to see from—or we did see, rather, from Wonderboy Thompson— where he just picks and moves if he needs to. I also think while people are a little lower on him because of that Basil Hafez fight, he was supposed to fight Sean Brady in that fight. He wound up with a weird change of opponents, a guy who, you know, throws bombs and is durable and has a black belt in jujitsu. I think he was thrown off by that. So I'm not really all that off of Jack Della as a reason for that. And also that showed us he can take a punch. He, he took some abuse from Basil Hafez and I don't think that, you know, I, I don't think of Kevin Holland as like this big power puncher with the exception of maybe the Joaquin Buckley knockout. I, I don't really see him out there knocking people out, especially at 170 pounds. So I'm going to take Jack Della to pick him apart like Wonderboy did. And uh, I, I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised with a late stoppage here either.
3: I like that call. Paul Rosas Jr. is a minus 550 favorite. He's facing Terrence Mitchell, a plus 450 dog. Uh, Rosas is 18 years old, very high prospect out of Mexico He's uh, two and one in the UFC at this point. Uh, he was six and zero in his career and then went into uh, the Christian Rodriguez fight as a favorite and lost via unanimous decision. So now looking to get back on that hype train and uh, and pick up a win after his first loss. And it feels like the UFC set him up to do it. Facing Terrence Mitchell, 14, three as a pro. He's zero and one in the UFC. He lost his debut to Cameron Salman. Uh, just via TKO, ground and pound. So everything's set up here for Rojas
0: to win, Rosas to win. Who you got? Yeah, I'm of course going with Raw Rosas. The, the odds are really wide, but it's, you know, like you said, it's a setup fight for the UFC. If you've watched any of Terrence Mitchell fight before, you know, either when he was on the Contender Series or when he was in the UFC, he gives up takedowns. That's his MO. Uh, his grappling defense isn't great. He's got decent jujitsu off of his back. But he's going to be on his back regularly because he doesn't stop body lock takedowns. He doesn't stop double leg takedowns. He doesn't stop single leg takedowns. And Raul Rosas Jr.'s path to victory is clear. It looks like he doesn't have great boxing. He may not have the gas tank. At least we learned that in the C-Rod fight. Uh, But he definitely has got the takedowns here to get on top of him all the time uh, and probably find that sub late. So, yeah, Rosas Jr., a rightful negative 550 favorite.
3: Our dog of the week, official dog of the week, is Jasmine Juicedevichius, a plus 110 over Tracy
0: Cortez. Let's hear it. Yeah, I'm fading uh, Tracy Cortez a little bit here because of the long time away. I- I'm worried that, that that's possibly messed her up a little bit. And then the other thing is, is Tracy Cortez is somebody who, you know, she likes to use her physical strength. She used to fight up at 35, at 25, you know, she's been kind of the fighter who's thrown her, her weight and her strength around. And she's fighting somebody who I don't think she can do that against. Jasmine Jesuitavicius has looked exceptional in the clinch. I, I mean, she blew me away in that last fight against Miranda Maverick, where she seemingly manhandled her. I, I really am coming around to loving Jasmine Vicius. And I also think the reach advantage here for Jesuitavicius could wind up being a big piece of it because she's a very long flyweight. So, yeah, give me the plus money on Yeah. Boom. Uh, oh, wait, we have one more. Our parlay to play, <laughs> Fernando
3: Padilla, minus 250, and Jack Della Medalena, the aforementioned, a minus 155. So, again, you're going to parlay, pair together, Fernando Padilla and Jack Della Medalena. Two favorites, but it does get you plus 130 on the parlay play. Break it down.
0: So, I already mentioned, I think Jack Della Medalena follows the game plan of fellow striker uh, Stephen Wonderboy Thompson and just picks apart Kevin Holland. So, he's in there easy. Fernando Padilla had just absolutely wowed me in his UFC debut friend of the show goes out there and absolutely knocks Julian Arosa silly and Arosa's is a guy who we've seen take a punch pretty well in the past and Padilla just absolutely put it on him he's gonna fight Kyle Nelson another guy who is kind of hittable uh, particularly when he's up against big tall strong guys and You know, Kyle Nelson doesn't usually fight somebody who's as tall and matches him in that realm. And Padilla here is going to have that reach advantage and looks every bit like the kind of guy who's going to exploit that, which I think is why you see the negative 250 number next to his name. I'm going with Padilla, and uh, you can make that number a little sweeter with Jack Della in there.
3: Boom. That now wraps up this edition of Fights, Dogs, and Parlays. We sure hope you enjoyed it. Hey, give us some feedback. Let us know if you liked it or if you hated our our picks here. Um, and of course, after the event, let us know if we did you right or did you dirty. Gumby, we're having a party today. Let's not let it stop. What should we do next? Well, we're going
0: to transition now to my interview with fellow factory ex-middleweight Cody Brundage, who is talking about his short notice fight, which is coming up next week. And talking about the elusive sparring title at the Factory X Gym. We'll get to all that great content for you right now. All right, and today is Cody Brundage, who fights Jacob Malkin at UFC Vegas 79. That fight is on October 23rd. So, Cody, I wanted to start here. This is actually going to be your third fight in a little bit under five months. And I know this is the second straight one you're taking on short notice, what are you feeling like going into this physically with you know
2: seemingly not a lot of recovery time here (laughs) so uh you know i feel like i I kind of given myself a bad rap on taking short notice fights because i feel like i haven't had the results obviously that i want um but i feel like it's not that's not really an indication of my preparedness it's just uh my lack of performance Uh, i've never gone into the fight and been like i don't have the cardio i don't have you know i mean I, i train you around as soon as i lost the uh, Cedricus, I was back in the gym uh, July 1st. I fought on June 24th back in the gym July 1st. So I'm training like I have a fight. My training doesn't differ too much. I'm in there five days a week. Uh, so I, I don't feel physically like I'm not recovering or anything like that. You know, I didn't take any damage really in that Cedricus fight. Um, didn't really take any damage in the Hadolfo fight before that. Um, so physically I feel good. Uh, mentally I feel good. Uh, like I said, sometimes I think I get a bad rap on the short notice just because my results haven't worked out the way I want them to. But like I said, I don't think that's a reflection of my preparedness. I just think it's a lack of performance.
0: Well, and I was going to ask you about that, too, because obviously, you know, you didn't get the result you wanted in that Cedricus dumas fight. And, you know, a lot of people saw early in that fight, it looked like you were in control of everything. So, you know, given that you, you know, kind of took the fight on short notice and performed well out the gate, uh, a lot of people would argue – like was there a big takeaway from it? Was there something you felt like you had to go back and in change, or was it more of just like the execution needed to be there?
2: Oh, uh, I think mean, the execution for sure needs to be a little bit better, and then just not rushing a finish and you know, I jumped guillotine three times in that fight, and you know nobody knows how stupid it was more than me, but I keep hearing about it, and you know part of that is I jumped guillotine against Hadolfo and lost the fight that way. so you know definitely like been there's been I've been chirped a little bit, which I'm not saying I don't deserve it definitely you know, the guillotine jumping is maybe not, not worked out in my favor, uh, this year, but, you know, last year I had a big finish and got $50,000 bonus for it. So I think, uh, sometimes your success can, can be your biggest, uh, obstacle. So since it worked for me one time, I'm like, Oh, it's going to work again. And, and, you know, I think rushing the finish has been a detriment to me when I could just let it marinate a little bit longer. And I feel like it would pay dividends for me. Uh, you know, I, I think, uh, Going into this fight, I'm a pretty huge underdog, which is surprising to me based off the matchup. Uh, but when you go look at my last fight, the word around the last fight was he got out grappled by this guy who's a striker. He's fighting a grappler now. Um, but if you watch the fight, I didn't really get out grappled. I put my every position that we were in that fight. I, I put myself there. If I was on my back, it was because I put myself there. If I took him down, it's because I took him down. If we were on the feet, it's because I wanted to be on the feet. So I feel like that's kind of the kind of the story of my career. You don't see many guys able to take me down, uh, especially in the open, Uh, even in that Nick Maxima fight where I think I got taken down the most, pretty much every takedown was off the cage, Uh, so I think controlling center and things like that are important, but yeah, execution has been lacking for sure. (laughs) (laughs) Well,
0: and I wanted to talk about the the stylistic matchup, which you touched upon there, but before I do, you know, you you mentioned in there, you know, sort of taking some crap for jumping guillotines, and you seem to be, you know, pretty good-natured about it, which maybe not a lot of guys would. Are you talking about getting crap like on the internet, like people tripping you on Twitter? Yeah, Are we talking yeah. about your your buddies at Factory X getting in your face?
2: <laughs> no, pretty much everybody. <laughs> <laughs> uh pretty much pretty much got a good ribbing from everybody uh online. It was definitely pretty brutal. Um but hey man, like if you're in the spotlight and you and you make mistakes like that, that's just kinda how it works out for you sometimes. And and you know, my teammates they're joking about it. But, you know, I think honestly, they're like, don't do that again. You don't need to do that. And their way of making sure I don't do that again is kind of giving me a hard time. So uh, it's been a lot of people have had fun with that. Uh, and, like, yeah, I'm not, I don't take it too personal. I try to not take things personally. Um, not It doesn't always work out that way, but I try not to. There's too much, uh, too much, you know, you're never, like, what's the thing they say? You're never as bad as they say you are. You're never as good as they say you are. So I try to, try to live by that a little bit. I like that. I like that quite a bit. Now,
0: I I, want to ask you, too, about something that I've been seeing pop up on the Factory X uh, Instagram page, because I got a chance to ask some other Factory X guys about it recently, and that's the sparring championship. Uh, (laughs) Tell me more about this belt, where it comes from, why why people are fighting over it. I, have you ever gotten the uh, the Factory X Firing Belt?
2: <laughs> yeah, I won. So I won. I've won the belt before. The belt is like the most coveted championship of all of MMA. No, I'm just playing. <laughs> uh, it's uh, it's something our, our one of our guys came up with. Uh, Jacoby Jones. He's fighting a contender series next week, I believe. Uh, but it's just something. You know, we love competition. No one's in the sport that doesn't love competition. And uh, it started out. It was kind of like uh, who can because we keep tallies of uh your output, right? Like your volume. And it was basically like whoever had the high volume count for the day would get the belt, but now it's kind of turned into like, man, this young kid had three tough rounds with UFC fighters, and he stuck it out and was tough, so we're going to give him the belt. You know what I mean? So kind of just like whoever wins the belt gets to decide how they want to distribute it, if it's going to be based off of stats or uh, something else, you know, like moral victories or whatever, but uh, it's it's been a good addition. I feel like uh, guys, you know, whenever the belt gets brought out, guys get excited and they like competing for it, so it's definitely been a good thing.
0: I dig it. I dig it. Now I gotta ask too. Obviously, Factory X, a, a great place, tons of guys. How, how important is that kind of, you know, like friendly environment to you? Because, like I said, you seem like a, a good-natured guy. You're, you're taking ripping from teammates and stuff like that. And we're talking about fake belts. How, how important is it for you, you know, mentally, to have an environment like that where you, you know, go to work, so to speak?
2: Yeah, you know, I feel like Factory X has a, has a very different culture than a lot of MMA gyms, just in terms of the structure and the way things are, are put together. And, you know, it's not for everybody. And, and Coach Mark will tell you that. I remember when I first came to the gym, you know, he's like, I'm not the coach for everybody. And, you know, he's very open and honest about that. But for me, coming from a college wrestling background where there's tons of structure, like you're going to eat at this time, you're going to practice at this time, you have study hall at this time, class, like everything's laid out for you. That's kind of how Factory X is. And, and I appreciate it and I enjoy that. And then on top of that, you kind of touched on it, like everyone there cares about each other. Everyone wants people to be successful. Do we compete super hard? Do we get after it? For sure. But I feel like everyone there has each other's best interest in mind and nobody, it's not a scarcity mindset. It's not like, oh, you got this fight, so it's working against me or you, you know what I mean? Like sometimes that's a problem in MMA. It's a problem in the world uh, in a lot of different industries, not just MMA, but there's not really a scarcity mindset. Everybody's just happy for each other's success and they know, like I know when Brandon Roybaugh wins the world title it's gonna help me out in the long run. You know what I mean? Like I know that. So I feel like there's never like, well he did it so takes away from my success. And sometimes that can be a problem in MMA, I think.
0: I love that. I love that. Now let let's get on to your next success, which is your fight with Jacob Malkin. You sorta already hinted at it that he is you know he's a heavy grappler. He's a guy who likes to drag things to the ground. You know, you you said people are discounting you for that reason exactly. What, what do you think about his grappling style? Did, you know, from a from a person who wrestled at a college level, do you think he is what people crack him up to be on the mat? Uh,
2: I mean, he's no Bo Nickel, right? <laughs> I think he's had success against guys who aren't necessarily great at grappling. Uh, I feel like the Nick Maximoff fight is kind of a wash because Nick got hurt, like, in the first minute. Uh, and so I feel like that's a hard one to be like, well, how good is grappling is against another grappler? Because Nick was on one personal like, fight uh i think what he does he does really well you know he has a really good head outside single that's kind of his go-to and other than that you know he doesn't really attack too much stuff. he has a body lock that he goes to sometimes he has a hard time finishing it because he's not the biggest guy for the division he's pretty much head outside single and jab that's pretty much his, his game and uh i feel like i have good options off of those things i feel like i can scramble very well i feel like you know he puts himself in positions that allow me to scramble um Is he a good grappler? Sure. Does he push a crazy pace? No. Does he have a steady, consistent pace? Absolutely. But is it like what Sean Strickland did to Izzy? No. Uh, So to me, I feel like I'm the bigger, stronger, more physical guy. I have more power on the feet. I feel like I'm just as good at wrestling and just as good at cardio. Uh, And I feel like I'm a little bit more athletic. So to me, I love the matchup. I've asked for the matchup in the past uh, off of camp. But it just worked out that, you know, it was going to be on a month's notice, which still is pretty decent notice. It's not like I'm taking it on three days, you know. For sure. And that really leads me to my last question. I
0: always like to end these things with a prediction. Other than that you most likely will not be jumping guillotine three times in the fight. (laughs) Do you have a prediction for you? How, How does this one end October 23rd?
2: You know, honestly, I, I, when I've been envisioning this fight and trying to do a little bit more visualization, I do see him taking me down. You know, I feel like he he's relentless enough that he'll get a couple. Uh, so it's just going to be kind of overcoming that early adversity. But I think I'll put him away in the second or third. He's very hittable. Uh, he gets rocked pretty much in every single one of his fights. You know, whether he gets finished or not, you know, he's pretty durable. But Nick Maximov dropped him. Uh, Dobson had him wobbled a few times. Brendan Allen had him hurt a few times. So uh, and Phil Haas, obviously, you know, finished him pretty quickly, but I, I feel like he, he's available to be hit and I feel like I'll find him eventually. And I feel like I have the power to put him out. Uh, I think I showed that in the Adolfo fight or the Trace fight. So I think I'll find him. I think it might take a minute. It might have to overcome some adversity for sure. But I think second, late second, early third, I, I feel like I, I get, a, get him out of there for sure. Well, you heard it here
0: first, folks. This has been Cody Brundage, who fights Jacob Malkin at UFC Vegas 79. That fight, once again, October 23rd. Cody, thank you so much for the time, man. I really appreciate it.
2: Yeah, thanks for having me, brother. Appreciate you.
0: And that's going to do it for another episode of the Top Turtle MMA podcast. We want to thank you, the fans, for tuning in each and every week. We would not have a show without you guys. We also want to thank our sponsors, Game Up Hard Hydration and X Marshall, And remind you guys that you can check us out on Twitter or Instagram, at Top Turtle MMA in both of those locations. And until next week, I'm David Gibby Freeland. He's Shockwave Dave Tremante, and we will catch you then.